Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we come to you and we're thinking of the verse in Psalm 119 where it says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And so, Lord, we realize that we have eyes that need to be opened by God. We have a Bible, Lord, in front of us that has wondrous things in it that we can't see unless you open our eyes. So open our eyes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, turn in your Bible, please, to... Genesis chapter 13, and we'll uh, read the text here, beginning at verse 8. Genesis 13, 8. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be men. Remember, that was the part that's in there that's missing. For we be men, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand... Then I'll go to the right hand. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward or as the Hebrew is, as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if the man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. All right, now, in our last study, we started a section that began in verse 7 with a crisis. It was a crisis. It was a very serious crisis. It was a crisis over land. It was a crisis over the best land. It was a crisis over the land that was going to needed to support the flocks of Abraham and Lot. And this crisis started, as we saw, between the herdmen of Abram's flock and the herdmen of Lot's flock. But the crisis didn't stop there. It grew. And it grew to such a very serious proportion that in the end, we saw Abraham describe it as a strife that was between Abraham and Lot. And now, this crisis that we're in the middle of here is going to reveal the true character of Abraham in contrast with the true character of Lot. That's what crisis does. It shows what's really inside a person. I I like the way Pastor Jim used to say that what's inside the glass will be seen when the glass is bumped. (laughs) That's what he used to say. But this is the crisis or the strife that has bumped Abraham, it has bumped Lot, and what's on the inside of them is going to be seen as it spills out. 
So Abraham's the man who prays. He's known by his altars to God. And he is the man of verse 8, as we saw, the man who says, let there be no strife. He's the, those were words of principle. So Abraham is a man who is guided by principle, that there should be no strife among men, civil men. There should be no strife among brethren. And that's the character of Abraham, a man guided by principle. And so we saw in our last study how Abraham was guided by this principle that let there be no strife. And because he was guided by that principle, Abraham tried everything that he could think of to make this strife stop. So we saw Abraham, as he states principle, make it stop based on principle. As he says, I pray thee, make it stop, Lot, based on affection. As he says, we be men. Make it stop, Lot, based on the fact that we're not brute beasts, we're not savages, we're, we can have gentlemen's agreements here. We saw that. Make it stop, because we're brethren, we're family, and so we be brethren. So the man Abraham is guided by principle that there should be no strife, and he tries everything in his power to get a ceasefire. Finally, we see Abraham so guided by principle in verse 9, that he's just essentially, we're coming now in verse 9, where it's essentially he's saying, it just isn't worth it. This land is not worth the strife that's going on here. So Abraham says in verse 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. So Abraham is so guided by principle here, as he says in verse 9, he says, this strife has got to stop. And if I have to give up my pride and take the humble place in order for this strife to stop, then death to my pride. And if I have to give up this land in order for this strife to stop, then bye-bye land. So Abraham is saying here in verse 9, is not the whole land before thee. It's before you, Lot. It's all before you. See, God had given the land, all the land, the whole land, to Abraham. But here we see Abraham condescending and becoming very humble before Lot as he's essentially saying to Lot, Lot, here's the cake cutter. You cut your slice out of that cake. I'll take what's left. That's what he's saying. And so, Lot, I set the whole land in front of you. The whole land there is before thee. It's very interesting the way Abraham said that, has put this to Lot. In order to to see it clearly here, we have to see what's important to see is what Abraham was not saying to Lot and what Abraham was saying to Lot. For example, when Abraham said this statement, is not the whole land before thee, Abraham was not saying to Lot that the whole land was before Abraham and Lot should simply ask Abraham for the part of the land that he wants and then Abraham will make the final decision if it's fair to give land. That's not what he was saying. Well, after all, all the land was given to Abraham. It was Abraham's. And so it would be appropriate for Lot to to ask Abraham for the part he wants, and then Abraham could decide if that was fair, and if he wanted to give it to him, that's what he could do. Because God had said in Genesis 12, 7, the whole land is yours, Abraham, and your seed. And Lot was not part of Abraham's seed. So Abraham 
He could have very easily been within his rights to invite Lot to make a request. But he didn't do that. In fact, when Abraham said to Lot, is not the whole land before thee, Abraham was giving Lot complete control of the land and of the partition of And he's telling Lot that, Lot, you're in control, and I'm going to adapt myself to your decision. He already tells him that up front. So when Abraham says to Lot in verse 9, when Abraham says, separate thyself, I pray from thee, Abraham is not saying, get out of my sight, you know, get away from me. That's not what he's saying. The word separate here has the meaning of spread. So what Abraham is intending to say to Lot is that spread thyself. In other words, go expand already. You know, blossom and flourish, I pray thee, and even from me. So when Abraham says, I pray thee, again, it's this affection that Abraham is saying to Lot that he was for Lot. Lot, I'm for you. I'm for you. You should spread out. You should. So here we see Abraham in a display, again, of great subjection, great submission to Lot, as he's saying in verse 9, he says, if you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. So what we see Abraham doing here is to take his hands completely off the land and say, Lot, it's yours. It's the whole land is before you. That took a big man in Abraham to tell Lot that. In other words, Abraham was saying to Lot that he could choose. Abraham, I'll take what's left. And so when we're wronged, the first thing we think of is our rights and what was taken from us and how unfair it all was. And it's, it's just not easy to do what Abraham did. It's not easy at all. And how could Abraham do it? Because he knew that God did not want there to be a fight between him and Lot. And he did that because he's guided by this principle in verse 8, let there be no strife. So for Abraham, when the glass was bumped, what spilled out was principle and humility and condescension. See, Abraham, he makes this big choice here. He could have He could have put Lot in his place. He could have told Lot what land he could take for his flock. And in that way, Abraham would have conquered Lot and his ambitions and all that and put him in his place. That was one choice that Abraham, but Abraham made another choice. And instead of conquering Lot, Abraham conquered his own pride. And he yielded to Lot in order to keep the peace between them. So what Abraham did was exactly what it says in Matthew 5, 38 through 42, when it says, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, you heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you resist not evil. This was evil, what Lot was up to here. And so the Lord said, you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other. Also, if any man sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. Give to him that asketh, and for him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Now, by contrast of Abraham, what we see in Lot, when his glass is bumped, what we see spilling out is Genesis 13.10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zoar. So Abraham looks at Lot, and he says, let there be no strife. And by contrast, Lot does not look back at Abraham and say, yeah, we shouldn't have any strife, but Lot looks at the land. 
He looks at the land. And there's something about that phrase in verse 10 that just sums up Lot, where it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. See, that phrase just sums up what charms Lot in his life. What's charming to him in his life? And because it was what he saw with his eyes, that phrase shows the contrast with Abraham. See, Abraham was, was charmed by what he saw in his heart, what he saw in heart. In his heart, there was strife, and there should be peace. It's charmed him to have peace, see? But Lot, he was charmed by what he saw. Lot was charmed by what was physically beautiful, the outward. Now, if Abraham's a man who's guided by principle, Lot is a man who's guided by sight. So with Abraham's offer, Lot says to himself, oh, now we're talking. This is Lot. He said, this is my lucky day. You know, he's saying, an opportunity like this comes around once in a lifetime, and you betcha I'm going to take it. I hear opportunity knocking, so step aside, Abraham, and as I open the door, I got a lot of choosing to do right here now. So with an offer like this, I got to make a very careful choice. And he couldn't see all the land, so, you know, there's some survey going on in his mind. But anyways, he's he's out to make the best choice. Now, that was painful for Abraham to see. Lot kind of act this way. It's painful for Abraham to see what spilled out a lot because Abraham, he doesn't say a word. He just stands by as Lot considers the land and what he would choose. And what's ironic about this is that when you talk about beautiful, because that's what Lot is looking at, you talk about beautiful, Lot had in front of him something far more beautiful than gorgeous pasture land. See, Lot had in front of him, and he was seeing this, the inward beauty of Abraham's character. He had in front of him a beauty that was described, if you like to turn to this very important verse in Psalm 90, verse 17. Psalm 90, 17, it speaks about this beauty that's here, and it talks about it, and it says it like this. It says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. See, that's wonderful. It says that. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. See, Abraham let the beauty, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon him. See, when the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth, he had no outward beauty. As it says, it says that in in Isaiah 53, 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So he's described, as the Lord Jesus Christ is described in his outward appearance as a man in whom there was no beauty that anyone should desire him. That's the case. So what beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ did Abraham have upon him. It's the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ which is described in Philippians 2. That's beautiful when it says there, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, let this mind or this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Abraham had let the beauty 
of the Lord Jesus Christ or the mind or the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon him or in him. And that's the same beautiful mind or attitude that we're called to have. It says, let this mind, let this attitude be on you, be in you. So the Lord Jesus Christ is equal to God because he is God. But when he becomes a man, he became a man, and he made himself, when he became a man, of no reputation. You know, the reputation of man compared to the reputation of God means this is no reputation, right? And he did that. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ did that, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful when he made himself of no reputation. That was the beauty of the Lord, making himself of no reputation. That beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ was on Abraham. When, like the Lord Jesus Christ, he made himself of no reputation. The Lord Jesus Christ was God. He made himself man. That's no reputation. Abraham had the reputation of being the owner of the land. The God-given land was given to Abraham. And so he was the owner of the land. But he says to Lot, he says, the whole land's before you. So he makes himself of no reputation. He no longer has the reputation of being the owner of the land. He steps aside. When he says, it's not the whole land before thee. The Lord Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation in order to bring us peace with God. Abraham makes himself of no reputation in order to be, let there be no strife between himself and Lot. When Abraham made himself of no reputation, not demanding his rights, then he let the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon him. And that's what we do when we make ourselves of no reputation by not demanding our rights in order to keep the peace. And when we make ourselves of no reputation like that, then the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ is on us like it was on Abraham. Now the second sparkle of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ is in verse 8, we're in Philippians 2, 8, where it says, He humbled himself, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. He made himself of no reputation when he was made into a man. That was one sparkle of the beauty. But when he humbled himself unto obedience, it's one thing to be made a man. It's another thing to, as a man, become obedient and humble himself to obedience, even the death of the cross. That was the second great sparkle of beauty. He humbled himself. So he was beautiful when he humbled himself into obedience and dying on the cross. That humility was the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. That beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ was on Abraham when he, like the Lord Jesus, humbled himself. He did not have to accept the land that Lot left over to him. Lot took the best. It says he took all of it. He took all the plain of Jordan. That was the best. And he could have said, Abraham could have said, now wait a minute. He could have said to Lot, now wait a minute. That's just not fair for you to take all the best land. He could have done that. But Abraham restrains himself and he humbles himself as he says to Lot, right up front, before Lot even makes his choice, he says, Lot, you take the right hand of the land on the right hand, I'll go to the left. Left and right. He says, I'll take whatever's left over even before I know what's left over. See, that's the humility in Abraham. The Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself when he became obedient to death on the cross in order to save us from our sins. That was beautiful. Abraham humbled himself in advance. He told Lot that he would take whatever was left over in order for there to be peace. He humbled himself. That was beautiful. 
And when he did that, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ was on Abraham. We humble ourselves when we accept what is unfairly given to us in order to keep peace. When we do that, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ is on us. See, there was a beauty in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it wasn't an outward beauty, as we already seen. It wasn't a beauty that was seen with the eyes. It was a higher beauty. It was an inward beauty. It was a beauty of character. It was a beauty of making himself of no reputation. It was a beauty of humbling self to death in order to save us. That was a beauty that God the Father proclaimed about from heaven when he breaks through the cloud. And he speaks in Matthew 17, 5, and he says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. See, that's God the Father looking at the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can't stand it, and he has to speak so that we can see that. There was a beauty in Abraham, but it was not an outward beauty seen with the eyes. It was a higher inward beauty of character, beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ that was on Abraham. And the beauty of Abraham making himself no reputation, the beauty of Abraham humbling himself, and that beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ was also before the religious leaders. But they couldn't see it. They could not see it. The rabbis could not see it. Because they had no eye for it. They had no eye for the higher inward beauty of character. They despised, they rejected him. As it says in Isaiah 53.3, he is despised, he's rejected of men. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ before the religious leaders that was not seen by them, that beauty, the same beauty of Abraham that was before Lot, and the beauty of Abraham's character was far more beautiful than the well-watered plain of Jordan in the Garden of the Lord, like the Garden of the Lord, or like Egypt. But Lot couldn't see Abraham's character. He couldn't see that beauty, because Lot also did not have an eye for the higher inward beauty of Abraham's character. The only beauty that Lot could see was the beauty of this well-watered plain of Jordan, because of those two phrases. One is in verse 10, And the other is verse 11. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. And then verse 11, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot couldn't see the beauty of Abraham's character because Lot had a disease. He had a disease which is described in 1 John 2, 16 through 17. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So verse 10, when Lot says he lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, we could put in this word, he lifted up his eyes, and he only beheld the plain of Jordan, because he had this disease, which is called in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the eyes. And will you look at the beauty of this plain of Jordan? Will you look at it? That's the disease of the lust of the eyes. He had no eye for the beauty of character. He only had an eye for the beauty of the land. That's the disease called the lust of the eyes. Lot had that disease. We don't want that disease. And then it says in verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan because Lot had the disease. He chose all the plain of Jordan because he had the disease called in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh. If I get all this plain of Jordan, I'll be set for life. 
I can have anything I want. That's the disease called the lust of the flesh. Lot had no interest in pleasing God with his life. Lot only had an interest in pleasing himself in his life. That's the lust. That's the disease called the lust of the flesh. And Lot had that disease. We don't want that disease. And in verse 11, it says Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. That's because Lot had the disease in 1 John 2.16 called the pride of life. If I get all this plain of Jordan, I'll be known as the owner of this plain. I'll be known as the owner of the most beautiful land in this region. This region will bear my name. It'll be known as Lot's Land. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.